Thank you, Pastor. Praise the Lord, everybody. Oh, I'm glad I know who Jesus is. You want to get my blood running fast? Just start talking about the oneness of the Godhead. And all that is in God is in Jesus. Amen. I'll never forget hearing a man in a debate on the oneness of the Godhead, the person advocating one God in Christ kept emphasizing that in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead, all. And he kept emphasizing that, that there's, there's no room for anybody else in there. Jesus has it all. Well, when the representative of the multi-God group got to the pulpit, he said, I know Jesus has it all. That don't mean the Father doesn't have some too. If you got it all, nobody else has any. Amen. He is the only one in whom the eternal God dwells and is manifested. God bless you. You may be seated tonight. God blesses your view that have come out to the house of God on this special night and uh, getting us ready for the coming of the holiday this week, which is probably mainly the only real holiday that is so biblically oriented, Thanksgiving. Everything else is wonderful and to enjoy but this one is based upon biblical principles of giving God praise and thanksgiving. You cannot thank God too much for anything that He's done for you. I've actually heard people in church kind of make fun of somebody that's always telling what God has done for them. Or they're telling some unique experience they had in the Lord over and over again. And they kind of make fun of that. But I'm going to tell you, when you're the one that God delivered, when you're the one that God healed, when you're the one that God saved, you can't thank Him enough for it. And it never gets boring. It never gets tiring to thank God for the privilege of being His child. And I'm so glad to be able to live for the Lord. And I want to take time right now and thank everyone, or, or uh, wish every one of you a happy Thanksgiving. I'm not going to talk about any restrictions on what to eat and how much to eat because if I do that, I'm going to wind up condemning myself. But I pray that you have a great time with your families. I think as a child coming up, my favorite, as much as I enjoyed Christmas, my favorite holiday was Thanksgiving. And uh, as many people in our family could come, came. And uh, we rejoiced in the history of our family and what God had done for our family through the years. 
beginning with the elderly. They would tell the story of their getting saved and God bringing them to the truth. And it was a wonderful time. And I pray that you have a good time this week thanking the Lord for his goodness and grace and mercy and adopting you into the family of God. I'm not a natural-born child of God. I'm a Gentile. But I've been adopted. He sent forth to me the spirit of adoption and adopted me in the family of God. I kind of know what adoption's about because my son is, is an adopted boy. And I've never had a son or daughter that's actually of my flesh and blood. Don't know what that is. But I'm going to tell you, I cannot see how it can be any better, any more wonderful than to have a boy that I have. He's living for God, holding up the hands of the ministry. He never has felt his call to preach, although he could just about do it. But he does love the ministry and holds up the hands of his pastor. And I thank God for that. I used to, before his pastor passed away, I used to get a phone call every few months, and it would be his pastor saying, Brother Bowie, I just want to thank you for what you put in that boy. He is my friend and a friend of the ministry. Praise the Lord. He's a cross between a, an Italian and a Cherokee Indian. And uh, that's not a that's that's a pretty volatile con, uh, contents there, amen. But he has received the Holy Ghost from just a young child and living for the Lord today. Got a precious wife that he has. God bless you tonight. I want to ask you a question. Not are you hungry, but I want to ask you a question. Are you ready? Are you ready? In the first chapter of Peter, Second Peter, Peter said, Wherefore the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Hallelujah. Are you ready? Can you boldly and confidently Say, I'm ready. <clears throat> Let him come. I want to go be with him. I pastored a man one time that could never say, I'm saved. He said, I hope I'm saved. And I hope I'm ready when he comes. But he said, I'm afraid to say that I'm ready or that I'm saved. But let me tell you something. If God gives you the Holy Ghost, and you're living for Him, and you can feel His presence in your life, you can have the confidence that you are saved and ready to meet God. I'm glad I can say with the singers, I'm on my way to glory land. Hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful to be saved? 
I go down the road sometimes in this parish thanking God for the fact that my name is on the road. And God, I tell him I'm going to be standing somewhere listening for my name. And I'm going to yell hallelujah when I hear it called out. I want to be saved and I'm living to be saved. Praise the Lord. I thank this church for being my brothers and sisters. I lost a tooth cap this week. And you don't know it till I grin, smile real big. So I'm trying not to smile too much. <laughs> At least not a big one. But I'm sure you'll notice it from time to time while I'm preaching. But uh, I can preach without a cap. Hallelujah. God bless you in Jesus' name. The second epistle of Peter, verse 10. Do all diligence, give all diligence to make your calling and election sure. That's another word for secure. Steadfast, planted, rooted, grounded that it will not be moved by anything. So I want to talk to you about this tonight. Are you ready? You know, if you've been in the church at least three or four years, you have heard over and over the fact that Jesus is coming soon. You have been told, and rightly so, that the Lord could come at any moment, I often say in Bible teaching, don't, let, don't embrace any theory or any method or message that delays the coming of the Lord. Don't embrace anything that makes you say, well, he, won't, he can't come today. I'm telling you, He can come today. He can come tonight. And it could come before I'm done. It would thrill me that if in the middle of this preaching, God would take us out of here and just split my message in two. I used to say, preaching that, you know, that I'm looking for the day and I pray that, that I'll say, Hallelujah and say, Hallelujah over there. Say, praise here. And the Lord on the other side. That's going to happen with some people. I hope it's me. Are you ready for that judgment day? There's an old song in Pentecost that says, Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for the judgment day? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for the judgment day? We used to sing that in song service. Anybody remember that one? Praise the Lord. Are you ready? We need to live our lives that without warning, if the Lord splits the eastern sky, we're ready. That we don't have to fear, day or night, the coming of the Lord, but we are 
ready tonight. I've heard that statement, that question asked over and over throughout the, my lifetime. And uh, there are people that have gotten somewhat aggravated about it because we have been saying that for over a hundred years, that Jesus is coming soon, and He hasn't done it yet. And there are people that have gotten skeptical and have gotten doubtful, wondering about, and in fact, Peter talked about, where is the promise of His coming? Where is He? He's, we've been looking for Him. He said He was coming, and He hasn't done it. The Apostle Paul in his day believed he was going to see Jesus coming. He preached the coming of the Lord, and he said, well, he put it this way. And we, speaking about himself and the people of God, he said, and we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up to be with the Lord in the air. So even the Apostle Paul in his day believed he was going to see the coming of the Lord. Have you said that so many times? Have you heard it said so many times that you've gotten doubtful? Have you got for the place that you resent somebody saying that Jesus is coming soon? Or are you still listening? Are you still looking for the coming of the Lord? Every night when I lay my head down, I pray, Lord, if you should come tonight, help me to make the first resurrection. Praise the Lord. If it happens in my sleep, please help me to make the first resurrection. And there is nothing in this life Nothing in this world, nothing that I could get, nothing that I want that will take the place of the fact I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus. And I want to hear those coveted words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I know the Lord isn't going to tell a story. He won't lie. So for him to say, well done to me, I've got to do well. And I'm preaching this tonight so I can help somebody be ready for the coming of the Lord. And I'm preaching it tonight so that I can get out of this congregation. Help me to make it. Help me to overcome. Help me to be ready when he calls Bill Bowie's name. And say, here am I, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. The Lord is getting ready to take his children home. Now, these doubters and these unbelievers and these mockers that say, where is the promise of his coming? I've heard that all of my life, but he hadn't come yet. What's going on? But you know something? 
The Bible also says, and it's Peter that says it, that a day with the Lord is as a thousand years. And a thousand years is as a day. Do you understand it's only been two days since Calvary? According to God's clock, it's only been two days, so it hadn't been as long as some folks think it is. A thousand years is a day with Him, and a day, and a th- and a day is as a thousand years. And so I'm looking, I'm expecting, I'm going home tonight and go to bed expecting the Lord to come. I'm waking up in the morning, and I'm looking for the Lord to come. I'm here with you in the house of the Lord tonight, and I'm looking for the Lord to come. Because one glimpse of His dear face, all sorrow will erase. So let's bravely run this race till we see Christ. Are you? Can you imagine what it will be like to see the Lord? testified about, preached to, the one who has come into sick rooms and touched our kin, the one that heard us cry out, help me, Lord, and he responded with his mercy and grace to see him face to face. I'm going to tell you what, the Bible tells us what we'll do. Some folks have said what they're going to do when they see Jesus the Bible said that the church, the four and twenty elders, when they saw the Lord, they bowed down before Him and they took off their crowns and they laid the crown at His feet because He's the one that deserves the crown. Any honor that you have won, any rewards that you have won, are because of the help of the Lord Jesus Christ. He helps you to keep walking. Even as a minister, he's the preacher, not me. I can't do it without him. He's the one that brings words to our mind and thoughts to our heart. Are you ready? I pray that you are. But he said... To make your calling and election sure. Make it positive. Now how in the world can you make your salvation sure? How can you make yourself unequivocally ready for the sound of the trumpet and the coming of the Lord? He tells us in this same chapter. He said, it's good you got faith, but add to your faith. Here is the way that you make your calling and election sure. It's not by sitting around, standing around, and just marking time. It's not, it's not by just being a worshiper alone and in the house of God join and cooperate with the song leaders and the musicians. Amen. But... It is a praise that comes out of your heart inspired by the Holy Ghost. 
that you cannot contain. Amen. I can't help myself but worship the Lord. It's not a matter of making myself give God praise. I can't help it. It's in me. There's a wonderful, beautiful old song. I'd love to hear it again. There was a man in my church that used to sing it for us every once in a while. It's in my heart, this melody of love divine. It's in my heart since I am his and he is mine. It's in my heart. How can I help but sing and shine? It's in my heart, deep in my heart. Is it in yours? Can you think of his goodness and be quiet? Can you hear somebody glorifying his name and be silent? I've often said that the most horrible thing at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ was the silence of his people. There was only one or two that made any effort to glorify God, but as he hung there, giving himself for us, giving himself for us, where was the widow woman whose son was brought to life on the way out to the graveyard, that Jesus stopped them by the beer and he raised her son. Where was the leper that Jesus Christ had cleansed? Where were those people that God had heard in their desperation and in their crying? And Jesus heard them. Oh, Lord. I've cried out to him sometimes from the depths of my sorrow. I've cried out to him with all of my heart and soul and have felt his presence come in to my room and begin to heal the broken heart, to heal the wounds and the sores that life had put on us. Oh, children of God, hear me tonight. Is it in your heart? Do you feel that thanksgiving? Do you feel that need to have to say, Hallelujah, I'm saved? That was my dad's favorite course years ago. Hallelujah, I'm saved. And I haven't heard that song, God knows, in years and years. Amen. I guess I manifest my age before you when I'm preaching. You hear all these old forgotten songs. You know, I'd like to take some of you to the land where good songs go. I'd like to take some of you to the land where those great gospel songs go and let you hear the children of God singing them. Praise God. Thank God for apostolic music and worship. Hallelujah. But don't let people that are praising the Lord, that are iterating the virtues of Jesus, don't let it be said while you sit there and let it go by. You know, I, I want the Lord to know I do love him. I want him to hear me praising his name. 
I don't care how loud the service is. I want the Lord to hear me saying, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. You know, I had a person walk up to me one time, and it was all right. They yelled in my face and said, you don't deserve to be saved. And I could not find any fault with what they had to say. I cannot say I'm saved because I lived such a righteous life. Because I was so dynamic for God. No, I'm here tonight by the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm here tonight because mercy reached to me. And picked me up out of the hole and out of the dungeon and out of the pit. And gave me a reason to smile. Are you ready? How do I do diligence to make my calling sure? Number one, you add to your faith virtue. Not We don't live for God static. Just going from day to day. We've got to be growing. We've got to be adding to ourselves and adding to our walk with God and adding to our revelation. He said, add to your faith virtue or moral excellence. Praise the Lord. This is the way we begin to make our calling and election sure is to add to our faith virtue. Then he said, add to virtue, knowledge. You should be smarter about Jesus tonight than you were the time you got the Holy Ghost. You should be able to answer more questions about salvation tonight than you could when you got saved. Because we're supposed to add to our virtue to our moral excellence, to our holiness, add, if you please, knowledge. And it's the knowledge of the apostles' doctrine, the knowledge of who Jesus is, the general knowledge of the apostolic doctrine, especially of things not lawful, and especially of things lawful. We need to have an answer today. When I got the Holy Ghost, where I was only seven years old, you could ask me almost any question, and I couldn't answer it. But certainly not about the Lord. If you asked me, was fried chicken good, I could answer that. If you asked me, was vanilla ice cream good, I could answer that. That's been my downfall through the years. I would be thin as Brother Jamie if it wasn't for Bluebell. But I'm, I'll pack this extra around to enjoy the benefits of Bluebell. Praise the Lord. Thank God for it. Amen. I'm not by myself here tonight, Emma. And you know what? I've got sugar diabetes too. And I try to be temperate, 
And I'm going to tell you something tonight. I'd just soon to go on and be with the Lord if I couldn't have another bite of sugar, of, of uh, bluebell ice cream or banana pudding. I mean, what's the use of being alive if you say no to everything? I understand diabetes. I said I have it. I take medicine for it. And I get fussed at every time I go to the doctor. But I'm willing to take it. I have another bowl. When I was taking physical therapy over at the nursing home in Gina, oh, I got me some friends over there. There were several of those nurses. I mean, it would be 11 or 12 o'clock at night, and they'd look around the door and say, Mr. Bowie, how about some ice cream? Come on, bring it on. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, it was good over there. I've heard them talk about hospital food and nursing home food, and I'm going to tell you what, I never experienced the downside in the nursing home while I was there, but they had their own ice cream machine. And every night, and what I liked is, I wouldn't tell them, you know, one nurse would come by and go get me some ice cream. And Brother Maurice, I wouldn't let the other ones know that I got some. And so they all wanted to be sure that I got some. And so every little bit, somebody come in with a little bowl of ice cream. I, one night, two of them met and said, where are you going? Mr. Bowie's room with his ice cream. Well, that's where I was going. But you know what? They're so sweet. Both of them came and gave me those little cups. Now, they weren't big bowls, you know, but it was wonderful. And I'm thankful tonight that God has some dessert. He does. He has honey for those that want sweets. Bread for the hungry. Meat for men. God is a wonderful Godchild of the Lord. Wake up and be happy to be a child of God. Amen. Quit molly grubbing. My mama, when I was home, now it's been a long time since I was home. But my mother would not let me fuss and be depressed. She just wouldn't let it. If I come in <clears throat> manifesting a blue spirit, she'd say, God bless you, my little boy. Why don't you go out in the woods and eat worms and die? And that did not appear to be too appetizing. So I straightened up. She wouldn't let us do anything like that. And I pray that God needs to do something about it sometimes because we forget so easily what God has done. How many times I've had to repent because I was feeling bad, mistreated, misused. Because I wasn't getting something that I wanted. Add to knowledge. Temperance. Which is.
self-control. Add to temperance, patience. Like the guy said, I want some patience and I want it now. But you know where patience comes from? Tribulation. Difficulties. Where we learn to be quiet and live for God. Be thankful without complaining about what we don't have. Add to your patience godliness. Now you know I'm being very I'm not getting in any depth on these things, just trying to give you a surface idea. Godliness, which is another way of saying God likeness. Hallelujah. When people deal with me, I want them to feel the presence of the Lord. Brotherly kindness. We're talking about making our calling and election sure. Brotherly kindness is a love for the church, the brotherhood. And I want to stop and say here, I thank God for all my brothers and for all my sisters. I appreciate the armor bearers that hold up the shield for our pastor. I enjoyed so much that service a few nights ago when we had an armor bearer fellowship meeting. Those guys had something to say. And I thank the Lord for men like that in this church that love their pastor. And then add to brotherly kindness, charity. Oh, that's a wonderful gift from God. Charity, you can't work it out. You cannot develop it. It can only be given it by the Holy Ghost. Charity is God's love. Oh, hallelujah. Ah, hallelujah. If it wasn't for that charity, where would you and I be? Thank God for this glorious salvation. And I'm praying tonight that you would make your calling and election sure. In Jesus' name.